You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Well, open to Romans chapter 11. I can tell you this. I have been hearing teachings, and I've been teaching myself a long time. I've taught the book of Romans for a long, long time, and I don't believe I have ever heard anything as good as Josh in Romans the last three weeks. Josh, just amazing. So I am I'm very sorry for you to announce it's my turn. I said, on my best day, I can't touch how Josh did. And I started thinking about it. I was teaching Romans verse by verse 12 years before Josh was born. With that being said, sorry you got me. I wish it was still his turn, but it's not. It's mine. So catch you a seat. I'm teaching. Romans chapter 11. Last week, Josh ended it in verse 1. So we're going to start here in 11, verse 2. Most of, most of chapter 11 is a pretty much a word-for-word recap of chapter 9 and chapter 10. God's selection of Israel, Israel's rejection of Jesus. Chapter 11 has, has really been covered in depth with the explanation that Josh did in chapter 9 and chapter 10. As Romans recaps in chapter 11, I'm not going to reteach all that we've already been over. I want to just kind of hit a few highlights and we'll go pretty quick until we get toward the end of chapter 11 where Paul goes in, goes on into the next thing that he wants to talk about. But recapping here in verse 2. No, God has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you realize what the scriptures say about this? Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply? He said, no, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. It's the same today. For a few of the people of Israel, I've remained faithful because of God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, then it's not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. As the scriptures say, God has put into them a deep sleep to this day. He has shut their eyes so they do not see and close their ears so they do not hear. Likewise, David said, let their bountiful table become a snare and a trap that makes them think all is well. Let their blessings cause them to stumble and let them get what they deserve. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and let their backs be bent forever. Now, the apostle Paul is recapping, complete and total recap here of what we have seen in the last two lessons. And he's doing that because we are moving the Jews from the old covenant to the new covenant. You know, when we study the Bible, we take so much for granted to be where we are in this dispensation at this time. But you've got to remember, for, th- for several thousand years, people lived under the old covenant. Then there was a transition 
to the new covenant. And wow, what a transition that was. I loved last week in the lesson Josh said, hey, dude, why don't you hold up on the county? You're getting your numbers all wrong. I'm still laughing about that. Well, yeah, well, you're not the only one. You sort of missed that. Your addition was off by 7,000. Um, so you know, let's, let's, Josh, let's just, hold, hey, dude, let's hold up on the counting here. There, there's always a, a remnant, what the Bible calls remnant. There's always a group of people, yet we tend to think we're the only ones. And that just happens. A number of years ago, some of y'all might remember the uh, Promise Keeper movement. Did any, any of you men go to the Promise, any of those Promise Keeper rallies? Um, but they, they were filling stadiums, filling stadiums full of men. Well, I went to the pastor's Promise Keeper rally in Atlanta, Georgia, and we were in the football dome there in Atlanta. And I don't know, it thing seats 80,000 people. And then they had chairs all down on the football playing field with the stage down there. So I don't know, 100,000 people. Um, I mean, the thing was packed and you were just overwhelmed standing in line. And, and if you've ever been to a professional football game, it was worse than that. I mean, people were just packed in there and trying to get in and trying to get you a seat and, and the lines and the crowd, it, it was an amazing thing. And, and I, I can tell you the truth. I can't remember anything about that. I can't remember any speaker. I can't remember anything I learned. I don't remember nothing about it. But I'll never forget being overwhelmed at sitting there. I'll never forget the feeling of that many Christian men packed in a stadium and all of them in there, 100,000 men in there with their hands raised and worshiping God. I don't remember the first thing about any of the speakers, but it was life impacting to be there. And I think it was because we do tend to allow in our thinking for us to get isolated. I'm the only person out here serving God. And boy, especially now, uh, Terry and I look at each other, are we the only ones in the world that thinks normal? I mean, boy, you watch about two minutes of TV and you think you're the only ones, that, I mean, you're the only one alive that thinks in any kind of normal fashion. Well, hold up on the counting, dude. Uh, so I, that ever since Josh said that last week, that's been going. Okay, hold up. Before you get the feeling you're the only one. Well, well, hold on, hold on. There's a lot of Christians out here. There's a lot of people that are standing on the word, praying for this nation, believing God. There's you, you miscounted when you thought you were the only one. Uh, the last two lessons we saw the concept here in verse seven. God chose these, he hardened these hearts. And the misunderstanding of that, I, I told Josh, uh, Paul and I walked up to him two lessons ago and says, well, good luck. You got the, the most controversial chapter in the entire Bible. Good luck with that. We're going to sit and watch you sweat. Um, but his teaching of that was just mind-bogglingly good to handle something that's been very, very controversial for 2,000 years. And, and, it's, and the Bible only is controversial because people major on, or what, Joshua, you can't camp on one verse. You, you got to put this in context. And I don't know how the Calvinists have got a hold of this whole 
chapter here, but they missed chapter 10, verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, well, you, you can't take this verse and measure on it and not get this verse and put those two together. So once again, um, I'll just continue to say this. What a great job Josh did. And I'm saying that because if you've missed the last couple of weeks, go back, hear the podcast, bring yourself up to date because I'm not gonna reteach all of, all of that. Let's read on verse 11. Did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles, but he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. I am saying all this, especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this, for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have, so I might save some of them. Now, last week, we learned about God using jealousy, and the Apostle Paul brings that concept up again. Obviously, when we hear the word jealousy, oh, that's a bad word. We know to be jealous is sin, except God is a jealous God, and we know God doesn't sin, so obviously not all jealousy is a bad word. So let's get our dictionary and look up the word jealousy. And it gives two meanings. Meaning number one, resentfully envious. Okay, that's sin. Now you can't be resentful. Resentfully envious. All right, that's sin. But then the second definition, requiring exclusive loyalty. Okay, God says, I'll have no other gods before me. So, in fact, God does require exclusive loyalty. Our God requires exclusive loyalty. He's just not one of many options for you to live your life. He is the one true God, and there's not many options out here like we are being told. So, it's clear he's not going to have any other gods before him, and God wants us. And I think this is our testimony. Um, This is our testimony. Last week in our lesson, Josh said, you you know, preach a sermon every day of your life. And if you have to, only in rare cases, use words. But that's our life. Our life is to preach a sermon. Well, what do you mean? How do you preach a sermon in your life? Well, in this day and time, when others see you happy, when everybody else is in fear. When others see you walking in peace, when other people are jerked up, when other people see you walking blessed and enjoying your life, when they are hating their life and their miserable, I just hate my job. Oh, that's sad. I love my job. See, when people see you loving your job, living in peace, walking blessed in life, walking in calm in the midst of fear, I want what you have. See, that is our, our sermon. Well, the word jealousy, what God wants people to see the blessings that are being poured out on your life. I want what you have. Sit down and I can tell you how to get it. Sit down for just a minute and I can tell you how to walk in peace that passes all understanding. See, it's through people seeing you and I walk. Now, when you live your life just like the world, 
when you're jerked up, when you're full of anger, when you're full of bitterness, when you're full of unforgiveness, when you're full of hate, when you're full of fear, well, then you don't have anything they don't have. So then there's no way to motivate them to be like you. That's the concept that he's talking about here. God wants to pour his blessings out on you so that others see that and they want the kind of marriage you have. They want the kind of kids you have. They want the kind of home you have. They want the kind of life that you have. And that's what he's talking about through this section. Verse, and he, this was what he was talking about last week. We go over that again. Once again, why are we going over and over the same thing? Because this is so revolutionary. Well, we're moving from the old covenant to the new covenant. And this is all revolutionary concepts. So let's read on verse 15. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will even be more wonderful. It will be life for those who are dead. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy, just as the entire batch of dough is holy because the portion given as an offering is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. Last week, we learned an immoral life is not normal for the Christian. It's, I love what Josh said. The Holy Spirit, his first name is holy. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that before, and I don't know how doctrinally sound that is, but it sure was good. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's first name is holy, and his job is to help us live holy. So where we get this idea that because of Jesus, we can now live forgiven in sin, couldn't be further from biblical teaching. Because of grace, we live holy and pleasing to God. The perversion of that says, because of grace, we can do whatever our sinful nature wants and just live forgiven. Because of grace, you just live whatever your sinful nature wants to do because Jesus paid the price for sin. Jesus paid the price for sin and because he did, now you go and live your life a holy life. And it's, we're in a perverted grace teaching era right now because you have been forgiven. Now go and live a life that is pleasing to God. Go and submit your life to God. Stop submitting your life to your old carnal nature. Many of us know how to live according to the carnal nature. Whatever your sinful flesh wants to do, whatever word comes to your tongue comes out. Hold on. You take that captive and you live your life submitted to God. Chapter, uh, uh, verse 17. Let's read on. Verse 17. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off and you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God promised Abraham and his children sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not the root. Well, you may say those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. Notice how God 
is both kind and severe. He's severe toward those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they'll be grafted in again. For God has the power to graft them back into the tree. You, by nature, were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft in the original branches back into the tree where they belong. The last two lessons, we've learned about being grafted. We learned about being adopted. And just to follow up on our last lesson, I I have always looked at adoption as a very special thing that happens in somebody's life. How do I know I wasn't an accident? How do I know that my parents wanted a boy and got a girl or wanted a girl and got me a boy with adoption? Now think about this. With adoption, you were already here and they walked in and chose you. That's what adoption is. And that's, uh, I tell our young people all the time that I talk to that, are, that were adopted, you're, you're not, and they're having problems. In the, look here, you're not seeing this right. You weren't an accident. You weren't a oops. Your parents weren't just trying to have fun and got stuck with you. You were chosen. And I, I talk to our, our young people that have been adopted about the special position that is and I so get that because you and I have been adopted we've been grafted in I was here in my imperfection and he picked me you're not an oops for God you're not a mistake you're not something that he got stuck with You're not an accident. God chose you. Uh, Evidently, you didn't hear what I just said. See, let me go over this again. God, I'm this and I'm that and I'm short and I'm ugly and I'm stupid and I didn't do good in school. uh, God chose you. Now, that's that's a game changer. When that concept becomes more than just a Bible study. When that concept gets in you, I didn't say Billy Bob, I said God. God chose you. And because of life and living with imperfect people and living a life with people who make mistakes all the time, we can develop a lot of insecurities. A lot of insecurities about whether we were wanted, whether we were not wanted, whether we were loved, whether we were not loved, whether we were accepted, whether we were not accepted. And, and through life, you, you fall in love with this boy and he breaks up with you and then you marry this guy and he gets divorced, runs off and then and this one leaves you and nobody loves me, nobody wants me, I'm not accepted, I'm not. Here's what I'm telling you. God chose you. That's a game changer. That's a game changer. God picked you up and grafted you in to his family. Why did he do that? Not because he had to. Not because he needed to. Simply because he wanted to. And when that gets deep down inside you, it changes your whole life. It changes your whole life. 
I want you to understand, verse 25, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourself. But some people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will only last until the full number of Gentiles come to Christ. And then so all of Israel be saved, as the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them that I will take away their sins. Okay, here, here we're, we're, we're transitioning from the old covenant where you worked as hard as you can to earn God's favor by keeping all of the laws and by making your animal sacrifices. And you did all that you could do to earn God's favor. And, and we're moving into a new covenant, not where your sins are covered. For 4,000 years, we have made atonement. The word atonement means cover. Your sins were covered. Okay, game changer. Game changer, listen to this. Your sins are no longer covered. They're taken away. This was, this was earth shattering. I won't go there. Y'all know the scripture. M- most powerful historical moment in the history of the world. Jesus is walking down to be baptized by John. And, and John turns around. Y'all remember what he said? Behold. Behold. What did he say? The Lamb of God. Everybody knows what the Lamb of God is. Behold, the Lamb of God. Everybody knows what the Lamb of God is. Who does what? Takes away. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away sins. What, 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 what did he just say? Behold, the Lamb of God who covers your sin. Behold, the Lamb of God who makes atonement for your sin. That's not what he said, and that's what we've been doing for thousands of years. There comes the guy that we've been talking about. There comes the guy that has been prophesied about through the Old, uh, the Old Testament prophets. Here he comes, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world. Here's what you've got to understand. Your past has not been covered. If it's covered, you always got the fear somebody's going to uncover it. If your past is covered up, there's always the worry it could be uncovered. And you're in this church, but you're as nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof because if they ever find out about what I did before I came here, if these people only knew the life I lived... If these people here and you're here at this party and you're just praising the Lord and, and saying a few Christian words and trying to be accepted, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, if they ever find out the life that I lived, these people run me out of here. You, you don't understand the new covenant. You don't understand what Jesus did. But hold on. Behold the Lamb of God who, when John the Baptist turned, he pointed his finger and said, behold the Lamb of God. See, your sins have been washed clean. You're a brand new creature. You sitting right here are a brand new creation in Christ. And you stand being made right with God through Jesus. Not right with God because you kept this law and kept that law and because you sacrificed this animal. You've been made right with God 
through Jesus. Now, there's two things here. There's two things, and I see people who have trouble with one or the other. And they both have got to work together. Number one, you've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. So, number one, you have to forgive yourself. If you don't forgive yourself, if you keep beating yourself over the head by what you did 10 years ago or 20 years ago or the way you didn't, weren't right with your kids and you were a terrible mother or you abandoned your kids or the way you left them, if you keep beating yourself over the head about that, then what that tells me is you value your opinion more than you value God's opinion. See, because God forgave you. Well, yeah, I know God forgave me, but I can't forgive myself. Okay, so whose opinion here is worth more to you? Does that make sense to you? If you don't forgive yourself, then you value your decisions more than God's because God forgave you. First of all, you gotta forgive yourself. When you receive forgiveness, you have to forgive yourself and let that be washed away and you go on and live life. You go on, let's don't talk about what we should have done. Let's don't start talking about all that we wish we would have done that's been washed under the blood I've been forgiven, and I'm a new creature from this day forward. Number one, forgive yourself. And I see people that can't forgive themselves. Number two, you have to forgive others. God forgave others just like he forgave you. And I see people who can forgive themselves, but they can't forgive other people. Now, you want your past to be washed. You want your mistakes to be washed away, but you're going to hold them in unforgiveness from now on. I'm not putting up. I'm, I'm st- you still got something in your crawl about something that somebody did two years ago or five years ago. You still are, you're holding. See, you, you can, number one, you cannot forgive yourself or you cannot forgive others. There are people who can forgive other people. I forgive anybody, I just can't forgive myself. So you, you go, you've, got to, you've got to forgive yourself and you have to forgive other people. Let's, let's move on, verse 28. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news and this benefits you Gentiles, yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Some of your translations say that gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God's call cannot be withdrawn. Um, uh, We don't have time, but let's make time anyway. Uh, John chapter 8. You don't have to go there. Everybody familiar with this story. This woman's caught in the very act of adultery. Moses' law says to stone her. See, that's what the law says. You are condemned because you sinned. Stone this woman. They're trying to trap him. You know the story. Uh, The accusers, they heard this. They start slipping away. Jesus, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. Now, boy, we could just talk for hours about what is being said right here, but this is revolutionary. This is a game changer. Under the old covenant, people caught in certain sins were condemned. 
The dictionary definition of the word condemn is to declare unfit for use. When we condemn a building, we declare it unfit for use. When you condemn a person, that person is unfit for use. Okay, this woman is unfit for use, so then let's stone her. Let's stone her. We're going to kill those that are unfit for use. Romans eleven twenty nine said, God's calling is not withdrawn. God has something for you to do. God has a place in his body for you to be, for you to serve, for you to be a part of. And what you did or what you didn't do, God doesn't go, oh, dang it. I wanted this woman to do this, that, and the other, but now look what she did. She can't do what I created her for. God's, God's gifts, his calling is irrevocable. So this woman caught in sin, she's unfit for use, less stoner. Except God says, no, I don't condemn you either. You're not unfit for use. Uh, verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 29. See, God's call on this woman's life was still God's call on this woman's life. Regardless of all of the sexual sins that she had been in, regardless of the life that she lived for years, the call that she was born with is still intact and it's still on her life. God's not an Indian giver. He can't take it by, okay, no, 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 you messed up. Okay, what? No, 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 you can't. That's not God. See, his call on your life never changes. This woman did not work her way into salvation. She was a sinner. She was unfit for use. The law said stoner. The new covenant comes in and recognizes that God's call is still on her life. God's call is still on her life. Now, the perverted grace message that Josh talked about last week, Jesus didn't say, I don't condemn you. Now go right on and live your life of sin because you're not condemned. No, no, you, you, you didn't get it. See, that's where we are in a perversion with that kind of ideology. See, because I don't condemn you, grace, now go and let's don't keep doing this. Now let's make a change in our life. This church accepts and welcomes with open arms all sinners in every sin of life. But we're not going to leave you there. We're not going to leave you. We're going to embrace you, but we're going to do everything we can to bring you into the life that God has for you. That's not being judgmental. That's not being critical. That's not being a bigot. That's trying to help you now that you have been saved. Now that you've been forgiven, now let's go and live a different life. God saved you right where you are. You and I were in sin now his plan for you is still his plan for you. And the Holy Spirit helps you live that holy life. Verse 29, never ever think that you've done too bad in your past for God to use. Don't ever minimize God's forgiveness in your life. Verse thirty. Once you were Gentiles, were rebels against God, 
But when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now they are rebels and God's mercy has come to you, so they too will share in God's mercy. For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom how, and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decision and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thought? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever. This, this is a life changer if we ever get this. We expect God to think and act and respond in life like we would. Here's what I think ought to happen. Here's the way I think God ought to handle this. Here is the way God ought to navigate life through this. And he doesn't. He does not think and act and respond like we do. Why did this one get healed? Why did this one didn't? Why did this one get lots of money? Why did this one not? Why did God let this happen? Where was God when this happened? Why did it? Verse 33. How great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decision and his ways. How do we not get that? If God was not smarter than you, then he wouldn't be big enough to be God. So you're not going to have all of your questions answered. You're not going to explain everything that happened, how that happened and why that happened. Because God's smarter than you. I love verse 34. Who knows enough to give God advice? Yet, listen to so much of our prayer. Mostly our prayer is telling God what he needs to do and what he needs to handle. Mostly our prayer is centered around giving God advice instead of praising him and exalting him and blessing his name and being grateful and abundantly thankful for the life we've been blessed with. Our prayer doesn't focus on that. Our prayer focuses on telling him what he needs to handle. We trust you. We glorify you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord. Verse 35, seriously, you, you have not given God so much that he needs to pay it back to you. Except we talk like he does. Well, God, I've gone to church. I've been in church for years. God, I'm a tithing member of the church. I've served in earth. Now, what? Now, look what's happening. It, it's like because, and we call it, I mean, we call it out. God, I've done this and I've been in church and I've done, I didn't deserve this. Why did this have to happen to me? Say, like, because of what we've done for God, because the amount of money we've put in the collection plate over the last 20 years, now God owes me a real favor here. Really? Really? Read, read verse 35. Really? There's great peace that comes in your life when you live like God called you to live, when you do what God has called you to do, and when you trust God for all of the outcomes that we can't explain and we don't understand. He, he's smarter than me. He's bigger than me. His thoughts are not my thoughts. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I want to do my part, and I want to trust God, and I'm going to live in peace. 
I'll live in peace because the outcome is not up to me. What's up to me is to walk in peace and be obedient to him. What happens and the working all of that out is not up to me. I'm glad it's not up to me because I don't know how you're going to turn this into good. I don't know how you're going to figure this one out. God, I'm glad this isn't up to me because from my perspective, this is a disaster. But I know in your hand, in your hand, some way, somehow, down the road, a picture bigger than I can possibly think, imagine, or fathom, you are going to work good in people's lives and in my life because of this. Verse 36, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever. Amen. Y'all stand. Y'all come next week. I can't wait to get into some new stuff. Chapter 12 next week. Lord, we give you thanks for your word. We thank you for what you're pouring into us, what you're teaching us. God, our life has continued to be molded, shaped by your word, that our thinking is not conformed to this world, but our thinking is being transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the washing of the word. Our minds are being washed by your word. Lord, as we come in here week in and week out, Wednesday night in, Wednesday night out, that over a long period of time, our thoughts begin to be shaped after you. Our reactions are shaped after you. Our responses are being shaped after you. Lord, your word directs us and guides us as our life is lived in such a way that it makes others jealous and want what we have in you. We honor you tonight in Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.